Hello and welcome to another episode of The Life Capoeira with Graduado Jabuta Kaba or Jabu to her friends. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time and coming on. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I, <laughs> I feel really honoured to be be here on in the podcast. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning then. How did your journey in Capoeira begin? I started Capoeira in 2010 um, in Basingstoke. I actually, I knew what Capoeira was before I started it, but I never really knew that you could learn it. I thought it was just for Brazilian people who, who are in the know and only them, they pass pass this pass this to, to other people and there is no way for others, outsiders to learn. But actually this was in, in the middle of me changing jobs. I, I moved to the UK a couple of years before, I think, for university. And I was changing jobs depending on the job. I was moving to one place, from one place to another. And I ended up in Basingstoke. I was looking for things to do. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anyone there. So I thought a good way to meet people would be to to look for classes in a sports center. So I looked at the program in, in the sports center and they had capoeira there. It took me, I think, took me six months to to join the first class. I was really scared, not scared, but embarrassed. I was really shy. So I managed to convince a friend from, from work, my colleague, to join me. She joins the first class, but she really didn't like it. She didn't like the music. She didn't like the vibe. She said, <laughs> she actually said, oh, it's Hare Krishna music. I don't like it. And she didn't, she didn't come back, but I really, really enjoyed it and from that first class I knew I wouldn't stop so that was it I fell in love with it and I trained ever since. What was it especially about first class that really captivated you? A, a few things I, I already knew what capoeira was and uh, I knew the the amazing moves how how people not just the kicks but also the acrobatics and this was just a perfect start because it was a class for beginners I knew everyone was similar level. I didn't have to know how to do a backflip or anything like that. And everyone was very welcoming. I think that was another thing, apart from the movement and physical um, activity, it was just the kindness of people and friendliness. They they wanted to make sure I enjoyed it. They wanted to know if I'm coming back. And that was really what captivated me. You started your capoeira in Basingstoke, but obviously jobs and life lead you to move around a lot. How was your journey to being a capoeira teacher and, and finding classes and being able to stick with capoeira? Um, it wasn't really, I wasn't planning on teaching. Uh, I started capoeira in Basingstoke with, at the time, I think it was graduado gringo, capoeira na go, now contramestre. Uh, and I always, I was always training with the same teacher. So starting with Basingstoke, then I found a job a few years later. I moved to London with with work. There were no classes. Our, our group didn't have classes in London, but every week I would travel back to Basingstoke to train with with my teacher. And also I trained in London with Capoeira Nago. Later a little bit with Grupo Muzenza just to make sure that I have some training there. And gradually, a lot of people from my group from Basingstoke also moved to London, including including 
my teacher and we started a group in London. It was then at the time in Hammersmith. So also quite quite a bit from where I live because I live in Southeast London and uh, Hammersmith is in West London. So it's quite a way to travel, but I've been doing that all, all this time. The teaching only started in September last year. That's when I started the classes. And it was at, at the same time, it was kind of coincidence. I wasn't really planning it that much, but my teacher had a lot of work abroad. He he left the country for some time. He wasn't able to teach. And also at the same time during COVID and after COVID, many people asked me when I was training in, in the local gym, many people asked me if I know about capoeira classes locally or if I teach. And I thought that would be a good way for me to learn to teach or practice to teach and at the same time have have classes somewhere close to where I live. And your teacher, Mastro Gringo, he's set up Capoeira Flow, uh, a sort of Capoeira group, there's an app with that. How did that mm -hmm. come about? How did the transition from Capoeira Nago to Capoeira Flow happen? Capoeira Flow has been uh, a brand of my teacher that he set up while he was still in in Nago and he he used it to to kind of create his brand and his own view of capoeira and then I think it was in 2017 uh, I'm not sure exactly the age uh, the year but um, we left the group he was uh, and then a, I believe professor um, just before getting his contramestre it was just a, a also a way of um, having a smaller group, having our own rules, smaller group, there is less levels of hierarchy and a bit easier to, to organize things. But we are still in good relationships with, with the Mestre. So previous, my teacher's Mestre is Mr. Pekines from Capoeira Nogo, and he's still, he's still contra Mr. Gringo's Mestre. So we, we are still, we're still in touch with the group, but we are, we are separate. And what plans have you got with your group in Lewisham? Uh, you started in September. Um, are you just seeing how the classes go before you start thinking about events like workshops or batizados? Mm -hmm. It's very early days. We started uh, pretty much end of September and the classes are only once a week because this is how much I can dedicate the time. I also work full time in a professional job so I don't really have that much time for teaching and also training myself and and work and family life but uh, at the moment there is no plan to organize my own event the events will be still with Capoeira Flow and that's our main group but this Capoeira Luisham is just a my my um, Instagram tag to separate the classes because we are in a different locations physically location physically certain things it's easier to communicate as a separate page, but they're very much still the same group, Capoeira Flow. And for those listening who might also be thinking about starting or just started their own Capoeira groups and teaching, what sort of advice might you pass on for, for other soon-to-be teachers of Capoeira? If you were going to go back and, and visit your past self, what advice would you give yourself? I, I don't know exactly what advice. I would just say... You need to be prepared that it's really hard. It's really hard to bring the awareness to your class. 
there are many Kapura teachers around, maybe not in, in all the areas, de depending here in the UK, there is a lot of Kapura groups. And especially in London, where I'm based, there are a lot of Kapura groups, not so much where I am in Southeast London, but it's very hard because not only you're trying to market yourself as a new group, you have to think of the financial stuff, which there, there are a lot of aspects that many people don't consider before they start. Um, so this is one thing in, in terms of finance and organizing, but also another thing is questioning yourself. I, I question myself all the time. Am I qualified enough? <laughs> Do I know enough? Am I teaching people the right thing? What am I going to teach them next week? Are they happy with what I'm teaching? Um, but it's a journey. You just have to start and carry on. And especially if your teacher, your mestre believes that you should be doing it, then just go for it. Trust yourself, your teacher, do your best and learn as you go. I'm still learning a lot. I'm learning every week, every class. That sounds similar to, to my experiences where I set up my group. It is, it is hard work promoting. Mm -hmm. I did put some money into to a Facebook ad, which did get me a few people. And I don't know if that would work these days, though, because advertising on Facebook, I think, sort of changed and, and you know, social media moves on. I printed flyers and it's walking around and putting them everywhere that you can, putting up posters and all the local little notice boards and news agents and takeaways and all the rest of it. And it, it is hard work to get the word out, work out there. Yes, so you actually started a few years before COVID, I think. Yeah, yeah. So my group started in 2015, 2014. Uh, I put the group on hiatus when my youngest daughter was born. So yeah, it would be 2015 when I started. And then my youngest daughter came along with, with, with two daughters, um, both quite young. I didn't have the capacity to, to run the mm. group. It gave me an issue with my hip, but I'm hoping to get a group started again. But it is it's getting that momentum going and getting people coming. And then obviously there's that doubt when people come through your doors and they don't come back. I lost a student who I think got a bit bored, keep training the basic mm -hmm. and thinking about how to keep your, your lessons varied, but you also want the quality to be there. And so, and I think joining the basics is an important thing, but then also you want to keep your students entertained. There is a lot to think about, but um, it is very well. Yeah, just getting, getting that balance, right? And you, you don't really know exactly whether you're getting it until some time after you see if the students are happy, if they are coming back, that's when you find out. Sometimes they, they don't really want to tell you that they are not happy. People well, yeah. don't really like giving negative feedback. They don't. And I do try and encourage getting feedback. Uh, and it's also a tricky one to do as well, because it depends on the relationship you have with your students, I find. Like... If you're asking them for feedback, they might be feeling, well, you're the instructor, shouldn't you know? But then other people have been quite receptive to it. And I think it's certainly a helpful thing when you get, especially your regular students, to sort of talk to them. Because I only found out secondhand that a student had left just because they've got bored. And that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but you sort of, you, look, I mean, you take that on. I know that, especially at the beginning, when you get a lot of newbies through the door, trying to have a structure of a series of 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 techniques and then you get another newbie through once things get a bit established it can get a little bit easier because then if someone new comes through you've got some students who have a little bit more experience and then for them it doesn't hurt to revisit some of the basics and help each other out um, yes i'm still going through that period where there is a lot of people tried and come back then sometimes not come back or people who 
join one class, then they don't come back for a couple of weeks and they come back and you have to keep repeating what you thought, but you're kind of, I think what you need to learn, is what we are learning when we teach is to, to be a bit flexible. So I always try and try to think of different options. And I think what, what if this person comes back because they have an injury, what can I do? This person who is more advanced, if they come, what can I do with them? So I'm trying to every time think of different versions of, of the class that I can do. But then when, when we are in the class, you end up improvising anyway. So you have a rough plan, <laughs> but then you change it as you go. Sometimes you need to change it. I don't know if you found, but I remember sometimes as well, you teach a move and then they say something like, what are you doing with your foot? And you're like, I don't know. What am I doing with my foot? Let's do the move again and think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm pivoting on the ball of my foot. So I find teaching yes. found the same helps you to think more deeply about the moves that you've done that you take for granted. And you might have forgotten some of those little details because maybe they didn't need to be pointed out to you, but they're not necessarily immediately obvious to everyone. Yes, I definitely find that that I'm learning myself to understand better better what I was what I'm doing and how I learned. Especially first few classes, I was thinking this was such a long time ago. I don't even remember how I was taught. So trying to think at what level do you start to teach people? Whether that's going to be too simple or you're going to make it too complicated or they are going to be bored. So still coming back to that first conversation we had, it's getting the balance but also I wanted to go back to what we said about um, students coming and maybe not liking it or some people try it and then drop off I recently listened to a podcast I can't remember uh, what it was it uh, what podcast it was it was about capoeira um, and they were discussing the same thing about uh, students coming trying and then leaving and actually I realized it's fine <laughs> It's fine yeah. for someone to try because capoeira is not, or capoeira is for everyone, but not, not everyone is for capoeira. Not everyone will like it. And if people come, try it and leave, then at least we know it's not for them. Or maybe we are not for them because students and teachers also have, a, have to have a good match. And it doesn't mean you are a bad teacher. It just means maybe this is not the right fit. At least it was, you, you know this already, instead yeah. of investing time and then that person will drop off later or feel guilty about not coming or you know not being transparent so at least you know who you're working with and the other person also doesn't waste time if, if your class is not for them yeah and that is the thing in those moments of doubt when you think ah oh, why do i have these people coming through and it's it's exactly the same for that reason that it is okay not everyone is going to like all the exercise classes that they try but it's nice that actually the word is getting out there and at least if you give those people a positive experience in the room and hopefully they'll still speak well of you even if Kafora is not for them like your friend that you took along to your first class you yeah. they really didn't want to see it again have they felt in touch with that friend sorry could you repeat are you still in touch with a friend it would be interesting to know if their thoughts of Kafora being oh, your uh, development with it no actually we we lost touch. We are still friends, but we we don't really talk much. So I don't really know what her what her take is on it. But I remember at the time after I started uh, training, we we were really good friends and we met a lot. And all I could talk about was capoeira. <laughs> so she didn't she couldn't really get away from it completely because I was talking about capoeira. I was 
I don't know if you are going through that phase, but I wanted to do cartwheels everywhere and show my cartwheel to people who are really not interested in anything to do with capoeira or sport. But I was just so happy to be training and to, to learn things that I just wanted to show everyone. Exactly. And how are you finding teaching the music as well? Does that surprise some of the students that come through your door? Or do you find that they've actually got an idea about how it's not just sort of the, the martial aspect and, and the movements, but there's also the whole other sort of cultural and, and musical side to it? Uh, with music, I... I don't teach it that much, or at least I only started recently because I think for some people who are not, who don't know what capoeira is, they are usually drawn first by the movement. And if I can't get them to start with the movement, they are more likely to be open to, to the music, to history, to the culture. So I started with, with just the movement. Recently, we introduced some music before the class. We don't really have that much time during the week. And it's only one hour class. So I start doing that this before the class or just a little bit during the class. I think they they are they are finding it a bit strange to get involved into singing. I, I don't think they were expecting to have to sing, but we, we always have capoeira music during the class. So that was already in the background. So they had time to get used to it. Excellent. I, I think. It depends on the person, but for people who are not, who don't know what capoeira is or are not very into culture, sometimes introducing all of the aspects of capoeira is maybe a, a bit of a shock. So I'm trying trying to do this in stages. Yes, um, I think that's wise, especially because there is obviously so much to it that everything all at once can be quite overwhelming. And mm. I'm just how did I... you feel when you started? I'm just trying to think back. Um, and they had a bit of imposter syndrome, if I'm honest, as well, uh, sort of being there, particularly with the music, because I've struggled more with that than the physical side of things. I just found it harder to pick up. And I love music, but I know that. So I'm laughing. It's, I was lucky enough to be at an event with Mr. Accordion in Swansea, and I ended up sitting almost next to him when he got us round to tour sing a note uh, this was before I started to teach and so he got us all to, to sing a note together the whole group and then he got us all to be silent and he pointed at me to hold the notes I did my best I made him wince and then he moved on <laughs> oh dear unfortunately my singing's improved and but it's you know singing in tune and and that side of things has been a struggle so then when you start teaching that it felt like a big step up for me and my own practice as well and certainly since my hips been a problem I've been doing more musical training I mean musicality's got a lot better I feel much more confident now with the musical side mm -hmm. of the class um but I still include it I would always have the music in the background I actually initially started in a, an MMA gym and so didn't do much music there but then when I got my second class a week up and running the the music was more uh, prominent there I think being at an MMA gym, uh, it was just a bit easier to use things like pads and that sort of stuff. So you can start yeah, the physical. The, the Thursday classes, then I, my Monday classes, where I bring that to back and bring that in. We would actually get to have a go on those and, and use those and do orders and so on. Uh, yeah, if people are listening who are thinking about starting, my experience is less recent, but 
I said, just do it and, mm-hmm. and do think about the finances though, because when you do jump in, think about your whole high costs and think about how much you're going to need to make. And especially at the beginning, you're going to need to probably invest some of your own finance into that to sort of get it up and running. And so save up for it. Don't put yourself into the debt that's hard to sort of climb out of. So do think of, of the cost. And when I, I sort of sat down and initially started, I thought about, you know, how much of the flyer is going to cost to advertise it. I initially started with flyers mm-hmm. and posters, which I just sort of plastered as fast as I could. And it's then just sort of keep keep at it. The the publicity certainly is one of those things that you need to keep going. Yes, you're, definitely. You get your sort of core students who do keep coming along, but then you get the more transient students and then life happens. So I had a really keen student, but then they moved away. And, and so on and so actually you need to keep having those so try and with your costing think about what profits you make how can you sort of reinvest that back into more marketing and for me i'm in a fortunate position that when i ran those classes my livelihood didn't depend on it so breaking even was fine but that's also the other consideration is is if you're needing it as a more professional venture for me it was reward enough just to do it but obviously Time's moved on. We've got a cost of living crisis, and there's nothing wrong with taking money for the time that you spend and the labour that you put in. But do you think about that? I think those are the bits of advice I'd give. Yes, I, I am. I'm really glad that we are in a position that we don't really depend on these classes. I remember when teachers who who was who are teaching me, they they wanted to to leave from Capoeira or they wanted to have their main income from Capoeira and it was really difficult. Even now, I think it's very difficult to have your main income from Capoeira. And a lot of people have second jobs or even main jobs because Capoeira doesn't really pay. Especially in this country where it's not as popular as as other places. And I think a lot of the Capoeira instructors I know are in the same position or they'll have a tangential job. So Capoeira might be their main focus, but they would also be a personal trainer. And so mm-hmm. Capoeira is one of the strings to their sort of fitness bow, and they'll be in the fitness industry. But it is difficult, and, and Capoeira is never really something that you are going to want to choose as a rags to riches tale. But I yes. think you get... The, the pleasure is more, well, that... more rewarding. I think we don't do this for... For money, even though I'm not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't earn money from from teaching, but we don't do this for money or myself. I'll speak about myself. I don't do this necessarily for money or to earn because I have a job apart from that. I I do it for myself, for the pleasure of teaching. I learn a lot from teaching, and it's really rewarding seeing someone that improves or learns something, and it's because you taught them. And how far around the world has Capoeira taken you with your travels? Have you managed to do much training abroad? Has it all been focused in the UK? In my first few years, I traveled a lot. I can't remember the first time I traveled was maybe a year after I started Capoeira. I was with my first belt. I think my first travel was to Wolfsburg in Germany. And I traveled a lot across Europe. I went to Brazil. I went to New York, US, New York for for a Capoeira event, Uh, Boston, that was part of the same trip, Boston and and New York. So it was mostly Europe, but I traveled a lot and I almost traveled every every month 
to some capoeira event, whether it was in UK or or abroad, and I really loved it. These days, it's I'm not able to travel that much, just family work and just regular life. Especially after COVID, it's a bit different traveling. But I think this year I would like to spend some time and and go to a few places, few events outside of the group, outside of the people that I normally train with. Uh, I really want to improve my my capoeira as well. And you you can't do that unless you go and train with other people, see new things, learn new things. Yeah, certainly valuable. And um, I certainly find as a capoeira teacher that that traveling around and going to other events, or when you have your own sort of events and, and other teachers come to you seeing their different takes or ways of explaining things or training exercises and drills and their flavors of capoeira can add to your own teaching because as a science teacher as well during the day i always like watching other teachers whether it's capoeira or science and just see how they do it and, and see what little ideas i can integrate into my lessons that might work for the way mm-hmm. that i do things and do you find that because you are a teacher by profession does it help you to teach Capoeira as well. Yes, I think it does. I think the obviously having trained as a teacher and I was already a science teacher before I started teaching Capoeira. Um I having had that training, it just sort of helps in terms of just sort of thinking about like a lesson plan and thinking about how am I going to structure what I'm going to do in this time that I've got. How we that and it is helpful and, and you sort of think long term you also sort of get that confidence of having to sometimes um improvise depending on the, the students had knees and you're thinking of doing a lot of negative at that time you're like well actually not a good idea day and if that gets sprung on you and that's new you can think in your feet but then also you can think okay well, i'm not the student negative is not for them but all the other students to miss out so then in between lessons you can think okay what can i provide for them so that they can do an alternative that's not going to be so hard on my knees somebody else learns a negative achiever i think if you're not a teacher the best thing to do is think about the teachers that you've had how does it work and and, and remember that sort of structure and for me it sort of helped with with timing and thinking that i think um but i've known some capoeiristas who will have a, a lesson plan that i'll actually physically write out i found that mm-hmm. It was enough to basically have the ideas in my head so you could sort of plan for a capoeira lesson possibly driving or something going just walking or just doing the, the shopping and your mind's thinking about other things you think oh yeah we'll do that and oh, we haven't done that in a while and um, i think at the beginning i kept a log of kind of like the techniques that we had done to try and make sure that we covered things fairly evenly but i i didn't keep that up because actually it turned out to be a waste of time because it was then a bit tricky if you had a student it was a bit sporadic it's like well I get that or not and so I kind of settled into trying to think of I take it as like a month and think what can we get into the month to make sure we've got maybe a range of floreos or kicks or skeevers or whatever and combinations and and mix it up I think if I was going to come back and start classes again I'd maybe give a bit more structure to the month I might make Mm -hmm. a the second lesson of the month or whatever have more of a music focus say so that actually that's a time where maybe three quarters of the the lesson are actually more musical um once the group was a bit more established and sort of fit into things like that and then maybe have 
think, all right, it's the first one of the month. We need to be focusing on kicks a bit more, maybe a bit of music, maybe a bit more of that. Um, but back at the beginning, I think it was more just about getting a sort of solid lesson out, starting to teach the basics and the techniques. Yes, for, for me, it's similar. And also because students of, often change. Um, there are a few students of, of mine that, that are always there. Um, but we had quite a bit of a break because we started at the end of September, then December, our venue was closed. So we also closed for three weeks. We're literally just now started February. So there wasn't really that much time to, to create a proper, consistent, organized plan. But what I'm trying to do is focus for a, a couple of weeks on, let's say, one kick and then try and introduce that add movements from that kick sequences from from that to make sure that if people have missed the class they, they will at least learn something and then we move on to the other but i always try to, to incorporate a couple of kicks or movements or esquivas so that we train that for a, a couple of weeks and that that also gives the time for the new the students that are coming to to learn this because for them it's it's literally the first time that they are learning something. And if I recall going back to when I started, I didn't learn everything in one, one class. You have to repeat, you have to continue the same thing over and over again, especially some more complicated movements. That's pretty much how I'm doing it. And, and also depending on how many people we have in a class, I also try and do a little bit of a hoda so that they get used to this. Because I also remember from my own experience, it took me so long to go into a hoda to play with someone. And I want them to already be used to that so that when we go to an event or we have our our batizado, they are not scared to go in, that they can enjoy. It doesn't really matter how much you can do in a hoda as, as long as you go in and just don't get don't get kicked. That's yeah. it. Well, that's it. I think the hoda is... There can be that anxiety to go in, but actually just jump in and, and actually what's the worst that can happen? Well, let's not take you think, that. You think you're going to embarrass yourself. That's what yeah. everyone thinks. <laughs> um, you always bolt them under if you um, feel like sort of can't carry on. And generally, again, it's, it's I think if people see someone struggling, they're often quite kind and buy, buy you out. Um, well, I think another good thing to have is I don't know if you found this, but a standard sort of warm up and cool down at the very beginning and very end. I found that I sort of fell into a routine of having that. And then that's also helpful because sometimes, you know, if, if traffic's unexpectedly bad and you're running late and your senior student can sort of go in and everyone knows the warm up. So if you do just arrive a little bit late, ideally that doesn't happen often, but it, it's just helpful. And then also having got that routine, when you get somebody that's new, the thoughts of doing it together, Everybody else that isn't you can very easily let the other person know what. Yes, and also it's a good thing to to build the fitness because a lot of people that start capoeira, some some of them haven't done any physical exercise before. Some some have, but it's a slightly different exercise. If you spend some time of the class to to do a good warm up, to get everyone sweating, then you can spend the rest of the time on learning new stuff because this is much slower. They are not going to get as much physical exercise at the beginning because they are just learning how to do the steps instead of doing them fast or do, doing them, you know, do as many repetitions in in a period of time. So yes, that's that's a good point. Doing a good warm-up, it's good in the class. By the way, I just remembered 
you were talking about Mr. Accordion in an event in Swansea. I don't know if it was the same event because I also went to an event in Swansea with Mr. Accordion. And I had a similar similar experience with music. He actually, he, he asked, uh, who knew La Dainia? And there was, it was a time when I was actually really into music and I was learning a lot of music, but I was really shy. I didn't want to sing in front of other people. <laughs> so one of the, one of advanced students, she was the event with me and she was actually sitting next to me and she said, oh, Jabuticaba knows a Latainia. <laughs> she said it out loud during the event. So Mr. Cordial called me up to, to sit on the bench in, in front of everyone. And he asked me to sing and play a La Dainia. <laughs> I and and that was that was so scary because also I don't really normally practice. So at the time I didn't practice singing and playing Angola rhythm. All I was doing is Bangela and and some singing of songs that we normally sing in the Hoda. So that was really, really scary. I, I sang the song. Uh, I I think I got it right. And then at some point he asked me. This, this is a very beautiful song. Do you remember who sang it? And I was so nervous. I completely forgot the name of, of um, the lady capoeirista who sang it. And it turned out it was his wife that ah. sang it. <laughs> and he, he, he actually only said it the next day in the Hoda when he was, he was uh, talking about some movement and he, he just said, oh, and that was the time when, when my wife when my my wife composed this song so that was a bit funny and mostly embarrassing moment for me <laughs> because I didn't really I didn't re really want to play and sing but the, the whole embarrassment just meant I forgot everything I knew those events bear us forward but the last question to ask of course is what is capoeira what is capoeira <clears throat> it's always I think it's it's a difficult question to answer because capoeira has so many different aspects of it. You've got singing, instruments, physical movement, history, culture. And I think that the main what can summarize this is what Mr. Pastinha said. Capoeira è tudo che a poca come. Capoeira is everything that the mouth eats. And that's how I understand it. It's re really... There are so many aspects of it that you can take from capoeira whatever you want to take from it. If you enjoy music, you can get more into music. If you enjoy more fighting, you can practice more the aggressive kicks and aggressive uh, you know, plays. You like acrobatics, you can do more of that. And it doesn't even mean that you have to pick one or the other. There might be times where you like more. I, I go to some events. And I feel like doing more acrobatic movements or doing more calm games and only go to those. I don't go to Sao Bento games. I don't buy those games because that's not how I feel at the time. So I think it's it's really, we can pick whatever we want from it. And that's the beauty of capoeira for me. You can never be bored. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing your experiences. Are there any closing thoughts or comments you'd like to leave the listeners? The only the only comment I have is if anyone out there is thinking or considering capoeira and thinking you're not fit, you're not at the right age, you're you're not something, 
don't hesitate, just try a class, don't be embarrassed. Everyone is really welcoming and it doesn't really matter a, a group that you join, just try it and enjoy. And if you are, do you happen to be in, um, was it South East London, Lewisham, then we'll be linking to Jibby's lessons in the description. Yes, please. Uh, got, um, we have another live event with Mestre Carlo. His new book, In Search of Anjinga, Encounters Around the World, will be out in the coming days. And on the 7th of March, which is World Book Day, he will be reading from his book and, and discussing it and, and the different chapters and also being there to answer some of your questions if you have them. So the link to the event is in the description. And when you buy your tickets for that event, you can also buy your book at the same time at a slightly discounted rate. So it would be great if you can join us on the 7th of March and get the book beforehand so you can come with your questions to the event as well. And we look forward to seeing you there. That sounds good. It's always nice to to listen from other other capoeiristas, other people who train capoeira and their views. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And so thank you very much, Jibu, for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, and until next time, ciao. Thank you.